Hi, welcome to Souls and Hearts, Be With the Word. Uh, I am Dr. Jerry Crete. I'm a licensed marriage family therapist in Atlanta, Georgia, and I am here with... I'm Peter Malinowski, clinical psychologist in Indianapolis, Indiana. And we're so excited to be with you this week. We are uh, preparing to discuss, from a psychological perspective, the upcoming Sunday readings, and we're looking at second Sunday of Ordinary Time which is a lot less exciting sounding than the ones we've had in the last few weeks. <laughs> From the epiphany to the baptism, and now we're ordinary. But it isn't ordinary, actually. They're really good readings. We look forward to exploring them. Um, so as we usually do, we uh, give you a little heads up on what our themes are. And uh, so we'll do that. And then right after that, we're going to actually read the readings to you. Uh, and uh, so, Dr. Peter, what have you got for us in terms of the theme? I, found, I was really struck by the whole theme of identity, so here it is. We don't know who we are because we don't know who Jesus is. Hmm. So identity disruption. Awesome. Love yep. it. You know, we were closer this week than we have been ever we before. We were, yeah. Because usually we come at it miles away from each other and we bring it together, right? And I think that's interesting. Um, and Ajama, who is a... Uh, uh, one of my uh, doctoral cohorts commented on that uh, on LinkedIn and uh, that she liked the two divergent points of view. So thanks to Jama if you're listening. I uh, appreciate that comment. Um, but my theme was, okay, it was a little longer this time than my normal ones, but our mental filter prevents us from allowing God to show his glory through us. So we're going to look at what, our, what is a mental filter and why does that you know, prevent us from seeing linking to your theme, who we really are, mm -hmm. and even who Jesus is. So, yeah. uh, so, so it's exciting, and can't wait to explore that some more with you. Uh, and, uh, but first, let's go to our readings. Let's go to our readings. Um, and of course, as usual, if you've read them before, you don't want to hear them, just forward through this part, or uh, you know, do something, but come back to us after, because we look forward to exploring some more. It's going right. to be a great conversation. So. We yes. want you with us. Yeah. Yes. All right. So the first reading is from Isaiah. The Lord said to me, you are my servant, Israel, through whom I show my glory. Now the Lord has spoken, who formed me as his servant from the womb, that Jacob may be brought back to him and Israel gathered to him. And I am made glorious in the sight of the Lord. And my God is now my strength. It is too little, the Lord says, for you to be my servant, to raise up the tribes of Jacob and restore the survivors of Israel. I will make you a light to the nations, that my salvation may reach to the ends of the earth. So the first, or the second reading is a reading from the first letter of St. Paul to the Corinthians. Paul called to be an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God and Sosthenes, our brother, to the church of God that is in Corinth, to you who have been sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be holy with all those everywhere who call upon the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, their Lord and ours. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And the gospel reading is from John. 
John the Baptist saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He is the one of whom I said, A man is coming after me who ranks ahead of me because he existed before me. I did not know him, but the reason why I came baptizing with water was that he might be made known to Israel. John testified further, saying, I saw the Spirit come down like a dove from heaven and remain upon him. I did not know him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, On whomever you see the Spirit come down and remain, he is the one who will, be, who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. Now I have seen and testified that he is the Son of God. All right, those are our readings. You know, I'm impressed, uh, uh, Peter. Uh, you said the Sosthenes just flowed <laughs> off your tongue. I, I love it when we get these interesting names that I kind of like I'm reading and going, I don't remember that name in the Bible. <laughs> I mean, I don't think we don't learn anything about him, do we? Not in, the, not in this particular passage, no. Yeah, yeah. Except that he's with Paul, so. Yeah, yeah. Or, yeah. So anyway, uh, so what is your th- what are your thoughts? So uh, I you know was immediately struck when things are repeated, right? When something's repeated in the scripture, it's like a sign to me like pay attention. And there were there were a number of different things repeated. So in the first in the first or in the second reading, um, which is two sentences long. Now there there are sentences from Paul, so they've got some length to them. But we've got two sentences, and in those two sentences, Paul repeats the phrase. Um, Christ Jesus or Jesus Christ. Okay, so four times he mentions that name in there. And then twice in the gospel, St. John says, I did not know him, referring to Jesus. Hmm. Right? So that really yeah. struck me. Like, okay, so John the Baptist is Jesus' cousin, right? Their history goes way back. You know, their, their mothers knew each other intimately. Mary went to be with Elizabeth you know, when they were both uh, with child, right? Elizabeth and Mary were both with child at the same time. So it's not that John didn't know who Jesus was and didn't know his name or something like that. Mm -hmm. But yet twice he says, I did not know him, Mm -hmm. right? So there's a question of identity here. And I found myself really reflecting on that. How could he not know him? And I went to the beginning of the reading, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Like, that is radical. Um, we hear that all the time in Mass, right, um, now. Um, and then at the end, testified that he is the Son. Now I have seen. So now we see what he sees, right? Now I have seen and testified that he is the Son of God. Now, if you understand, like, what the Jews meant by that, that meant that he was of the same nature as God. In other words, that's Jesus, um, that's Jesus being proclaimed by John the Baptist as God, right? That's what he didn't know. That's mm-hmm. what he didn't know about Jesus, was that he was God. Mm-hmm. And so, um, and then, then I was thinking about, you know, back to the second reading, you know, Jesus is not just named four times, but he's also referred to as the Christ four times, right? So that's his role, right? John brings that up in the Lamb of God. So I really started to think about how, if John the Baptist didn't know who Jesus was, and he said it twice, 
how do we not know who Jesus is, right? And mm-hmm. what's the blindness or the lack of vision? Because that's a major theme for me that I, that I talk about a lot. Like, what are we not seeing when we think of Jesus, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, um, so that's why I started to think about if we don't know who um, Jesus is, we can't know who we are. Right. And that leads to identity disturbance. So, you know, as a clinical psychologist, you know, there's basically four areas that people come in struggling with. There's emotional regulation. There's problems with thinking. There's problems in social relationships or there's some disturbance in the understanding of self. Those are the four major areas that I think of when people come in. Identity disturbance is the the fourth one. Mm -hmm. And so. Um, that identity is developed in relationships, though. So the primary one of all of these is the social relationships, which develops the identity. And then if you've got good social relationships and good identity, you, you generally have less problems with um, emotional regulation. You generally have less problems with your thinking, right? Mm. So, so from a psychological perspective, getting the identity down and then understanding who God really is in relationship with him is essential to, to psychological health. It actually, mm. I think, really is. Uh, for Catholics. So great. Um, so that's kind of where I launched from. I love that. And I love your synopsis of the things that people come in right. for help with. And that might've been a lot for people to kind of absorb just then. Yeah. There's a <laughs> right? lot to unpack. So, yeah. so just, just quickly like go through like one, when you talk about identity, that's knowing who you are, right? It's, and, yeah. Understanding who you are. Yeah. yeah. And that's a huge problem for a lot of people. Like a lot yeah. of people will just say, I don't know who I am. Right. Or they find out something about themselves or they come into contact with something in themselves. That's very distressing. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because because a lot of times people identify themselves with what they do or what people tell them about themselves. And when that changes, suddenly I don't know who I am, like especially a change in life, like going through a transition. You know, if you're a mom and that's what you've been doing and your kids all go away to college or something, suddenly the question might come up. Well, what's what? What's the, my point? What what, yeah, is, exactly. what do I do? Or uh, somebody retiring from work, and that's been their whole identity, has been their job, and now all of a sudden they don't know. There's a they're... real spike in suicides in the first two years after men retire. You actually see a pretty significant spike in suicides. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's a major issue, and a lot of times we do define ourselves not as made in the image and likeness of God, but actually by what we do, what we produce, especially. Mm-hmm. You right. Know, um, and like we said last time, you know, when we were talking about the baptism of the Lord, it's about Jesus even being affirmed in who he was before he started his ministry, his actual work. So the affirmation of who he is happens before the work. And that was a, our big takeaway from last week. And then this right. week we have, which is cool, we're out of Matthew for once because it's been Matthew, right? right. Since well, it's like Matthew. So it's Matthew. Yeah. yeah. Well, but today it's the Gospel of John. Right. And we get. John, the, we get to hear John the Baptist talking about the incident that we saw last week. Right. 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 Which is, again, he's identified, like you were saying, he is saying, who was he? I didn't know you. I didn't know you. Like, I didn't really know you. Right. Even right. though I knew you. But right. now I know who you really are, which is the son of God. So that, right. I don't know. I thought that, that was really cool the way that flowed. And, and your point about, once again, we, we want to know who Jesus is. And that's essential as Christians. Um, but then let's link that to us because that takes me in terms of my thinking. And I was focused a little bit on this idea of a servant. Right. And, and that comes up in Isaiah. Right. 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 And, and so what I thought was interesting there um, was that, again, 
lots of things, right? Like who is the servant? Because on one hand, um, you know, the servant is, um, I mean, is, is Christ, right? Like he's describing this servant is pretty magnificent terms. He's, he's literally um, made glorious in the sight of the Lord and has strength from God and is a light to the nations. So this servant uh, <laughs> is being described in rather remarkable terms, even when it says, you know, oh, well, you're t- uh, a little to be my, too little to be my servant. It's almost saying, you know, is a recognition of, you know, uh, how that doesn't seem, doesn't seem to jive, right? Right. Um, but nevertheless, he, he's described as a servant. And then I'm thinking to myself, wow, well, if Christ is the servant who clearly does save the, you know, the, all the peoples, who, who is the light to the world, all these things is clearly, it feels like, wow, this is Christ. But then what's amazing is that, you know, as the ch- like church, uh, as the body of the body of Christ, we are called to do that. We are called to be, you know, Christ in this world, and that's our that's actually our identity. But it's been but it's been so um, it's been so corrupted by original sin, right? Remember the the original sin was was from Satan, right? Who was the most glorious of the angels, Lucifer. And what was, what did he say? He said, non servium, which in Latin means I will not serve, Mm. right? And then Milton puts Mm. on Satan's lips, better to rule in hell than to serve in heaven, right? That was sort of the attitude that uh, John Milton in Paradise Lost gave to, I think that was where the reference comes from, um, that that, uh, that gave to... um, to, to Lucifer, right? So here you see the contrast, right? The known servium of Satan, right? And the identity of Christ, who is to be the Messiah, right? Which is not what people are expecting. They're going to filter that out, right? When they see him as a servant and suffering, right? Which was predicted in Isaiah, that just blows their mind. They can't grip onto that very easily, right? Yeah. So that gets back to that filtering that you were talking about. Like when we mm, have certain right. expectations or we have certain demands, for Jesus to be in a particular way, right? You know, and then we reject that image because it doesn't meet our expectations. We're not knowing him as he is. Right. But I'm thinking in terms of the person, right? Also, like the examples I gave, let's say of, a, of let's say to, you know, a, a mother who's caring for her kids and her whole identity is defined by her kids. Mm-hmm. Okay. Or somebody else, let's say, let's say it's a woman who works and her whole identity is defined by her work, mm-hmm. either one. And then when the kids go away or the work is, you retire, whatever it is, both individuals have the question of who am I now? Because my whole identity was wrapped up in this external activity. And if it, my kids are successful, then I am amazing. If my work is successful, then I am amazing. If my kids are, are, are having trouble, uh-oh, I, right. must, I must be bad. If my work fails, my business fails, I must be something bad about me. And so there's a lack, like there, there's putting your identity somewhere where it's not supposed to be. That's right. And, and, and so what you're saying, like getting it right, <laughs> like discovering who you are is extremely humbling because it has a servant. There's an aspect where you are a servant. And like if we're following Christ, it does mean suffering. It's inevitable. And, and then, but yet, you staying humble and yet 
giving this extraordinary dignity and worth that's beyond, you know, to me, it's just, it is humbling. It doesn't cause, it's not like, oh, my business made $10 million, so I'm so amazing. Right. Boast. Right. It's even better than that, and yet it creates humility. Right. Right. So to me, that's really a fascinating paradox. But um, getting to that, like, so what is it, what does it mean in my mind to be a servant? Like, at least from these passages, what is it telling us about being a servant and what that actually involves? I was interested in the, like, the part where he says, um, raise the tribes and restore the survivors of Israel. And I'm trying to think, okay, that's interesting, right? Because I'm imagining it's Isaiah, right? And so they've been kind of devastated, right? You know, and they're kind of coming back from from whatever it is, captivity or, you know, being smitten or whatever. And so now what is it to raise and restore Israel, which is, you're saying, you know, your servant is going to do that? (laughs) 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 Isn't that a king? Like, isn't that a warrior is going to do that? Not a servant? Right. So I'm fascinated by this. I don't know what you think. Yeah, I mean, I think it's really hard for us to, 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 to wrap our minds around because God's ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts, right? So he's trying to tell us in the scripture, um, but it's pretty deeply ingrained. Like I have a visceral reaction. There's parts of me that don't want to serve, that have negative associations to being a servant, right? That that's a low grade occupation, you know, that that's not something I, you know, we have that in us then that concupiscence and in, in that, in that pride that comes from the original fall in our own sins, right? Of, I do not want to serve. I want to lead. I want to rule. You know, I want to, I want to be in command. And a lot of times it's driven by, at least for me, uh, uh, how am I going to be secure, right? How, what's going to provide me security? If I'm in control, do I feel more secure? Or is, does my security come from knowing who God is and knowing who Jesus is and then my relationship with Jesus? In other words, can we receive the goodness you know, and the security and the, and the love and, the, and, the, uh, and, and everything we need in that relationship? Or do we feel we have to go out and get it ourselves? And a lot of that's conditioned by our early experiences. You know, like what kinds of experiences from a psychological perspective? I mean, there are very clear parallels in how we look at that verse, you know, uh, compared to how we, um, how we experienced um, uh, our parents growing up, how we experienced other authority figures growing up too. So that, that, take, that comes right into the faith. And we make mm. generalizations that we don't even realize we're making about God, right? Well, you know, that takes me, takes us, I think, it's a nice segue to the mental filter. Because that's why I mentioned that. And uh, we didn't really get into what is a mental filter. Yeah, we should define that. Yeah. So the mental filter is when you pick a single detail and it's negative. You have a negative detail and you dwell on that exclusively. So that everything you see is darkened by that way of looking at it, you know, and, and honestly, I see people doing that with their families. I see people doing that with the church. I see people doing that with their work, you know, in other words, um, yeah, we have some, for example, you know, we, we know there's unfortunately um, some priests and church leaders who, who lost their way and, and did some pretty, pretty terrible things. And then focusing on that so exclusively, and dwelling on that, and it becomes every, the church is just that, right? And then you've, you, you, you don't see all the beauty. You don't see all the good work. You don't see all the good priests. You don't see all the 
the people who are working very hard for the kingdom. Um, same with our families, you know? Um, we, we have these ideas built up of what we expect our families to be, right? And when, when somebody isn't, doesn't fall short of that, it becomes everything, right? It becomes a whole focus. Yep, yep. Um, yeah, that, that in, you know, I see that in my own life, right? I mean, I can, I, I've got strong moods, you know, and if I let my emotions drive my, drive the way I look at things, it's easy to get focused on one thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, you know, that gets worse if you're tired or if I'm tired, that gets worse. There's other things that can exacerbate that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, we can very much look at, um, you know, look at things uh, through this negative filter. There's positive filters too. Some people are kind of Pollyannish, you know, about, uh, mm-hmm. about the faith. You know, uh, about, well, not about the faith so much as about the priests, you know, whatever. And sometimes they get really devastated when, you know, somebody that they've really looked up to and admired and put on a pedestal, you know, Mm -hmm. is revealed to have flaws. Right. Right. (laughs) Right. So it can kind of cut the other way, too. It can be positive filtering in a way that's not realistic either. Right. Oh, good point. Absolutely. Well, you know, I'm thinking we want to get soon to our uh, our takeaways. Right. Um, but before we do that, say a few things about what's coming up for social. Yeah, this is an, this is an exciting week. We've, I've got, we've got a really fun uh, module coming up in a um, uh, Catholic's guide to helping a loved one in distress. That's our course that we're, that we're, um, that we're finishing up. And it is about what not to do um, when you are trying to help somebody. And in that we do some role playing um, and we uh, give some examples of very awkward and um, ineffective ways of trying to help, which I think are really funny. But so anyway, I'm scared to look at them now because <laughs> I'm having a few flashbacks of, of that role play. So we had a little, we had some fun with that. We had some fun with that. So you're welcome to that. We also have a really interesting blog. It's um, by. Um, by Maribel Laguna, <clears throat> mm-hmm. and she is writing about how to talk with survivors of abuse. Mm-hmm. Right? So when that comes up in the conversation, like, what do you do? And it yeah. actually pairs very well with that whole course, but um, with the course we just mentioned, but yeah, that, that, that was a very powerful blog. So that'll be coming out on Thursday um, yeah. of this week. And just, this will be Maribel Laguna's second blog with us, and right. she's a therapist in Texas. Mm-hmm. And uh, she's also on the board for the Catholic Psychotherapy Association. Just yep. plug yep. that. <laughs> yep. And, um, and, you know, we've got new stuff coming up three or four days a week. And so it's really exciting. Um, and uh, now on to like the takeaways, right? Let's, yeah, let's do let's, it. Let's, let's do it. All right. So you want to go first on this or you want me to? Uh, I'll go first since we were just talking about mental yeah, filters. Let's go with the mental filters. So yeah. we, how do we break a mental filter, right? If right. we're seeing things negatively all the time. I mean, we have to, what I'm going to ask as the to-do here is to break that filter, and we'll talk about that in a second how, and then affirm good in your situation, right? So in other words, um, there has to be a recognition that I have one. <laughs> right and, and i think some people whether you're pollyannish and you just always see everything good and you sort of deny noticing the reality sometimes that that might need to be broken but i think a lot of people often, are yeah. are just kind of critical you know smart people right or especially you know melancholic people or whatever the the, the kind of d- introverts often kind of do can are prone and you know <laughs> to be uh to kind of be overly critical and it's not really 
necessarily meant to be mean spirited or anything. It's not, but, but we may not always recognize how it comes across. Right. right. So there's almost like an internal critic, right. That mm-hmm. gives us running commentary and it could be about the person himself or herself or often about the outside situation too, or, or other people. Right. So it's a yeah. question of, yeah. And that, that can, you know, that can be motivated in part by trying to make us be better or whatever, but a lot of times it just drags us down. Yeah. So, so what I, so, so a big part of breaking the mental filter, first of all, is just, Hey, I have one. And then being able to say, okay, who, this will get into yours, but you're, you're coming at it. Your takeaway is a bit different, but it's still related is who am I then? If I am this servant who is called, I mean, some of this stuff is amazing. I am called formed in the womb, which to me is just fantastically beautiful, right? That we, God formed us in the womb. Right. Um, and he, he ra- and we are to raise, we're to restore. We are to be a light. We are to help bring salvation. They even, and St. Paul says, we've been sanctified and we are called to be holy. So, oh my gosh, if we, if we actually own <laughs> that, you know, and it's not because we um, are so great that we did something to own that, to be able to own that. It's literally... Uh, yes, to get. sorry. No, I no, right. No. <laughs> I love it. I love it, Peter. Jump right in, and because it's like it is a gift. Yeah, and it's it's like it's given, and so it's just something we need to 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 own. And so once we do that, then we look around with a new filter. Yeah, my job is to be a light to the world. If my job is to raise and restore people, and and his kingdom ultimately, then. I'm not going to unnecessarily put down his church or my family members or any human being created in his image. I, have a, I will naturally, as I own that, I want to give life to them. I want to affirm. I want to and not deny anything that's – Right, not there's, a role for, for, there's, a, there's a role for fraternal corrections, and there's a role yeah. for, for constructive criticism, no doubt about it. Right, yeah. I'm not denying those right. things, but, but, but let's lead with the foot that says, wow, I see the beauty, I see the goodness, I see the talent, I see the whatever it is that lifts people up. So because if we don't know that about ourselves, Jerry, then we won't know it about other people either. Yeah. You know, we won't know it about other people either. So that's why it's really important to do what you're saying is to break that filter, you know, to break that mm-hmm. filter and to, and to affirm the goodness. I, mean, yeah. I just love the way that you put that. So, yeah. Thank you. Well, what's yours, Peter? So I, mine is to, so I'm going back to remember my key theme is we don't know who we are because we don't know who Jesus is. Right. So mm-hmm. if we don't know that, uh, we are to receive this gift, right? Which we couldn't come up with on our own. We need divine revelation to tell us that. If we don't know mm-hmm. that, we're going to be lost, right? Um, mm-hmm. Like sheep without a shepherd, our Lord told us. And this stuff is all real. This isn't just if you happen to be Catholic or not, right? This is real for everybody. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to suggest, I'm going to recommend, I'm going to encourage that you go into prayer and you ask our Lord Jesus Christ, um, who are you? Who are you? Especially, what am I not understanding about you that I need to know? Tell me. Mm-hmm. Right, really to ask for it. Because we don't know what we don't know. Right? right. John, the Baptist, was absolutely 
blown away by his discovery that Jesus is the son of God, mm-hmm. right? That he was God himself. That was mind-blowing for St. John the Baptist, mm-hmm. right? And we know that because we've been taught that ever since we were little, you know, or we learned it in RCIA if we came into the church and we've heard it all. But do we really know it? Do we really understand what the implications of that are? And so that's something that God can show us. Christ can show us in his relationship with us. So, mm-hmm. But we got to ask. We want to invite that in. What is it that I am not understanding about you, Lord, that yeah. you would have me know now? Right, because wow. we got to create the space. Because he's not going to force it on us. We need to be receptive. We need to be open to that. And you know, I've had a lot of clients over the years, Jerry, that have been that have had their PhDs, that have had their doctorates in theology and philosophy. I consult all over the country, you know, and they've studied this to no end. It's all very intellectual, mm-hmm. and yet they're struggling yeah. to know what we're talking about. It's an experiential, relational thing. It's a real relationship, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. So. I agree. I agree. Just ask, you know, ask, who are you? How do we take it from the head to the heart and exactly. really know, know, know Christ in a deeper way? Right. We didn't call this outfit head and souls, you know, heads and <laughs> souls or minds and souls. We called it hearts and souls because that's what we're real. Our souls, souls and hearts. hearts. <laughs> <laughs> souls and hearts. We call it souls and hearts because we need to get into the heart and not just, not just the intellectual aspects of it, right? Yeah. Yeah. The emotional aspects of it as well. I love that. I think that's going to be a theme that's going to go beyond <laughs> this one week, of course. It's a big right. one. Um, yeah. You know, and I love one thing I'll just comment too is, you know, uh, our patron is St. John the Baptist. Yes. You know, so I'm loving these passages uh, with him and because he's not, you don't get him all the time, right? Right. And, and, right. Uh, and the fact that he is affirmed, and this is such a beautiful gospel of affirmation of who, who God is. And, and like you pointed out, you know, I didn't know him. Wow. I didn't know. I didn't know. Now, but then the, now the light, you know, now I'm aware. Right. Right. So that's, it's just beautiful when that happens. So yeah. we're inviting you to that. We all need to do that. All right. I think wow. that's a wrap for today. The wrap. Yep. Yes. We look forward to seeing you again next week and uh, be still. Believe. Be loved. Be loved. Take good care.